1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wiseau, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle, delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callingist Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, Where Hunting Memories Are Preserved. Taurus, Maker of the Raging Hunter and Other Fine
3: Handguns. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Thank you, David Fox, and welcome, as you said, to another episode of DSC's Campfires with with me, Larry Wysoon. This week is going to be a little bit different than things we've done in the past. I had the opportunity not very long ago to attend the DSC Historical Rifle Society event, which occurred there in Dallas. And really what it amounted to, it involved the guns belonging to Mr. Bill Jones, who's been collecting some of the most historical firearms ever created when it comes to anything having to do with hunters. His collection includes everything from some of the guns, from Frederick Salou, who did so many things in Africa, to, uh, my gosh, Jim Corbett, who shot numerous man eating tigers in India back when tigers were very, very plentiful there and, and actually were killing a tremendous number of people each week. Also he's got the guns of such notables as Teddy Roosevelt, a, uh, a lever action rifle and a 4590 that uh mister Mr. Roosevelt took to uh to Africa to hunt with Two, he's got guns that belong to Ernest Hemingway. And, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. What we're going to do is kind of join a meeting that's in progress. Now, Dave Fulson, who we've had on the podcast in the past and has been very much involved with with DSC and the DSC Foundation, and, of course, also is involved with Safari Classics that does the— the Trigicon World of Sports, a field that I do a fairly regular TV show with as well. Dave is, is going to be talking when we join this, and then he'll introduce Mr. Bill Jones, and he'll tell you a little bit about some of the guns that, that he has, that these 10 individuals who who paid for the privilege to DSC to help us kick off a, uh, and DSC Foundation, I should say, to kick off a, a new advocacy program that we're initiating I think you're going to find this a very interesting one. This is one of the first times that these guns have ever been available to shoot. Uh, I mean, Mr. Jones was very kind in, in allowing us to not only show the guns to handle the guns, but then everyone that attended, uh, was able to shoot the guns of their choice. And some of these guns also included things from uh, all the way up to 700 N E nitro express, if you will. So, uh, Really, some fantastic things going on there. We were able to, uh, to Mr. Chris Heim. I'm sorry, uh, through through Chris with with Heim uh, rifles to uh, go out to his range south of of the area there, and that's where the actual shooting took place. There's a good chance we're going to try to do this again in the future, and after you hear it, I'll tell you how to find out a little bit more about it, but you can also get in touch with us at DSC. That is at the Big Game, B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G, and uh send an email there, and also through the DSCF Foundation, if you will, the DSCF.org as well too. But fantastic opportunity for several individuals who are there. And, and now let's join at this point. Let's join Dave Fulson, and who will introduce Mr. Mr. Bill Jones here in just a few moments. Hope you will you'll enjoy this session that we have around the campfire. It
0: could be a person. It could be a place. It could be a piece of art. Sometimes it's made of wood and steel, and you know, as an avid hunter, Bill is also an avid shooter, and the, the passion of Bill's life has been hunting down some of the most uh, famous historic rifles sometimes for a certain uh, animal or number of animals that were shot with rifles. You'll see some of them because some of the famous people that own the rifles and the things that they shot with the rifle but this is a unique collection and there's not anything close to it on planet earth and if i know bill this collection will continue to grow and expand uh but we have uh you know we have been looking forward to this and been working really hard on this and it couldn't happen with bill the most important cog of this entire event and this is a one-of-a-kind event. nothing like this has ever happened you literally are on the ground floor of an experience that nobody else has ever gotten to experience, and uh, the fact you know that you're making your contributions, you know, for the ESC to help get our government affairs program and our advocacy mission into high gear—that's the that's the future. So you know, the finances that we raise here are critical, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate Bill giving us an opportunity to have a gathering of people like we have in the room today. So for the Foundation and for DSC, we are eternally grateful to Bill, and uh, we're eternally grateful for you because you're the reason this event happened. Uh, you know, it is really neat to share your passions with people that have similar passions, and those are the people in this room today. So let's just to tell you a little bit about, you know, several years ago, we, we did a video called the Historic Rifles, The Long Journey Home. And all of you will have this. Now, I had two of them spilled out in the truck. So for the two of you that didn't find one in your swag bag, I've got these two copies up here. But the neat thing about Bill, when he gets a rifle, he doesn't put it in a gun vault, and that's the end of it. And he goes in there sometimes at night and looks at them. Bill has a real passion for showing these rifles. Uh, One of Jim Corbett's rifles is 275. If you want to go over to the Rigby booth and see it, they put you in a hazmat suit, they spray you with chemicals, get a blood sample and all this and that. You wear three pairs of linen gloves so you can hold it for three seconds before they snatch it back. And the bill's handing these things out, you know, left and right for people. Then you're going to get your hands on them, get to hear the story. This is, imagine, kind of comparable to a program. We're just going to give you a taste of what's waiting for you. This afternoon on the range. So we're not going to get into detail. You know, we're not going to get the to too much on this, but we will at the range. And not only when we hear about the rifles, when they're made, what they're made, the calibers, and you're going to hear the backstories that made them famous and the backstories of how Bill acquired them, which some of them were pretty incredible stories in their own right. So, you know, Bill takes these rifles, he's taking every one of these rifles where possible back to their country of origin. And followed the trails of some of the people that own them. Even in Corbett's case, while well, I couldn't take the rifle back there, Bill went on a, a a long trip to India and literally went, followed in the footprints of Corbett to some of the areas where he killed some of the famous man eaters. Which is just, that's the one trip I, if I could have went with you, that's the trip I would have wanted to go. But that's a little bit about our friend Bill Jones. and. And I also want to say the logistics of bringing these rifles down, you know, was not easy. Bill, you know, drove these down from Birmingham, Alabama yesterday. And uh, so, you know, this isn't like he drove them across town, Bill. We just cannot tell you how much we appreciate this opportunity. So I'm going to turn it over to Bill Jones. I'll play the man. And, you know, Bill, you can just kind of, uh, again, this is just going to be a taste of what's waiting for us at
4: the range. You go back to that bug shot of me with a yeah elephant. That's Hemingway's rifle. It's a five seven seven, a Westman Richard built it in nineteen thirteen, and it still closes up like a bank ball. And uh, I shot a lot of elephants, buffalo with it. Uh, uh, Hemingway was uh, a whole unique guy. And, uh, I brought some handouts that may or may not be of interest, but this is a. Copy, uh, we got a photo totally done with uh, his uh, book magazine commemorating his 1953 and 54 safari. And uh, if you buy Hemingway's book that Savio did, you can see what Hemingway looked like 20 years earlier and what he's done to himself <laughs> in the next 20 years. <laughs> 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 the movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so enthusiastic you booming, no doubt about it. The it was he could drink uh, Some of this stuff is sort of scattered around. Uh, my friend Tony Sanchez took me three years to get this 500 Jeffrey Improved uh, over here from Spain. Uh, because of the weight problems, they gave me 200 rounds of ammo. We can only get 120 on British Airlines, which is a blessing because they're hard to deal with plus a right? So, this is his first elephant he ever shot. And his second elephant when he was uh, 83 years old, he wrote me a, a note. And, uh, so I'm, I'm lucky enough to have his 500 Jeffrey improved, which I think that's trying to make a forward end of a silhouette by changing the angle on the case and the head. But it is what it is. And uh, Harold Wolf made a car in, on an uh, enhanced uh, mouse reaction if they will. Tony's old guy as soon as a firewall situation proves up in Valencia, Spain, and I'm gonna do the uh, to the extent of the documentary see if I can kidnap him to go with me and whoever. And uh, and meet a guy that know he knew John Hunter, he knew Harry Manners, he knew John Taylor happened having rifles and cardboard. So to me, Tony is living history. And, and I've known him for a long time. And I'm lucky to have a chance to buy his, uh, his special serial number one rifle. Uh, back from and I used to speak to each other <laughs> a while back. <laughs> a little financial difficult here. Uh, in this magazine, I just had some through in the warehouse. Uh, and it covers a lot of these historic rifles more descriptively than I, I could probably. But anyway, that's the purpose of that. Uh, get this shot of the Mon Sir Sir G.J. You'll see his rifle today. You can shoot it if you want to. It's the only 416 Rigby double rifle I've ever made. And uh, this guy, and you can read some of the other write-ups here, shot possibly 1,700 Titans. And he shot this 416, so he shot the rifle out. Went back to, to Rigby, they reboarded to four seventy, made him another seven 16 barrels. And it's got the Mile rises uh, crest on the side of it. And there's always debate, oh, did he shoot a thousand? Did he shoot twelve hundred tankers? And I think after he shot a thousand he quit counting, but other people helped him. And he had like a I don't know, eighty six hundred square mile kingdom. But he had a lot of children, and, and he was in charge of conservation. So he gave his children the permits and then took them back and, went and shot more tigers <laughs> on, on licenses to, to whatever extent. He had a lot of leverage with it. But anyway, it's a unique rifle. Uh, Paul Robertson I don't really get that together. Uh, here is, and some of y'all got this and some didn't. Uh, this is more of a description on that one particular rifle. We couldn't get all the stuff reproduced that we wanted to. But uh, anyway, it's neat right um, There's a few of these went out called Toys of the Tiger Kings. Uh, I may have to get some more reproduced. I'll give you some business cards. If you want some of these, I'll, I'll get some more produced for you. And I'm here showing Holland Holland and uh, my Rifle's Rifle and, uh, and some stories about him. I came from uh, Alabama uh, when I was real young. Uh, my grandmother likely was an English professor. And I learned how to read and write before the first grade. And got pretty bored from school for a long time after that, and uh, I have collected as many uh, books on all these guys. And uh, through some business things that happened, a couple of them, selling out when I was 28, I got to go. To Tanzania with Robin Hurt for 42 days and met David Omine, who who's Winchester's man in Africa. And you know, we got his uh be made in 1912. And uh, got off the plane in we'll the Tanzania, with well, my cousin. We've been partying from Rio to Joburg to Nairobi to so of um, we landed and we said, okay, where's the Budweiser? What's, what's the deal? And they said, you can to sleep. We get up to 3 o'clock in the morning. you got to go shoot this man you you lion. At that time, when the lions I've seen is in the zoo. <laughs> so I'm thinking about it. You know, I was in a Marine Corps. I've done a lot of shooting, but you know, lion not with about? So anyway, the lion tried to get you as a bastard Argentina. And you could see the claw marks because they had the doors off at that time, where he tried to hook him and claw at the top of the ceiling. So my, my, my first animal shoot in Africa, big old line and after that obviously been hooked ever since so cool. my my pocketbook and account for all that too. a couple <laughs> of lives you know, like <laughs> 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 uh, uh started shooting at the early age grandfather I had a bunch of guys grandmother giving me all the books and uh so um uh, i've been in the energy business gas oil coal different things commodities alloys and uh been lucky sometimes, and had a chance to buy uh, a lot of these guns in Europe, uh, around the United States. Uh, uh, In the, when did Kynak stop linking in ammo? About 1950s, 60s. Or mid 50s, Yeah. So a lot of the PHs were given out of ammo for their double rifles, and more of them uh, came available. And uh, kind of I keep trying to sell me the damn ammo company. That's what you need an ammo company in, in England. <laughs> I got enough regulations, you know, you can't even walk across the street. But uh, a lot of these guys became available. I started buying things up. And I got to know Paul Roberts, who did on Rigby, and did the guys at Holland Hall. And, Hall and, and big friends with uh, Simon Clover and Wesley Richards. Had all these guys either make guns or help me find guns. And, uh, so, I, I think the luckiest, as far as noteworthy enough for me, because I'm just a custodian of these guns. These guns don't really belong to me, they belong to history. Uh, I'm sitting on Nile River with, with Surviving time. and they're having an auction to uh, James Dillion and Simmons Right. So, I got two phones, I'm wired into my office, and I'm wired into the Optic Company. Think, boy, satellite, keep going, you yeah. know. And bing, bing, lost it. Damn. So I didn't know that uh, Johnny Morris, who owns Bass Pro Shops and a few billion dollars, is bidding against us. I, I got Brian Hazel, who you meet at the range today. And so they keep doing <laughs> So I Finally, get connected connect it back up. I said, what happened? They said, we lost the rifle. So OK, how much were we out there? They said, oh, $1,000. I said, you did what? They said, don't fire us. We got the gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> our bodies up there being the cheerleaders. After that, we've been carrying a rifle bag to, you know, hunt elephants, buffalo, whatever, whatever, and it just added on over the years. Uh, bottom, uh, uh, some of the auction company bottoms came up with Predator uh, Courtney Salus uh, 6.5 uh, by 53 bar. Let's go through some of those. Let's go through some of the guns that we're going to bring. That's two five six. That's a bottom one, made by Holland, action made in eighteen ninety-three. Uh, it was delivered in nineteen o one. It came back in nineteen o two. Holland Holland Shooting Grounds, and uh, after we buffed out the front sight, found out it's, it's ivory. So I carried this to Mozambique with a hundred seventy-grain bullet and kill a buffalo in one shot. And what these guys went from four bores, which is four shots of lead to a pound, you know, and that, that's what gave Frederick's Slu his permanent flinch one day. And he shoots a pair of these things. And uh, percussion cap didn't go off. He handed the gun back. His gun bearer loads the gun again. So now you got a double loaded bomb. And then he cranks it off, broke the stock, stuck the hammer in his face. Knocked him out, and then you can see how he got a flint. So they went just for the practical side from the four bores to these 461s. He uh, likes single shot rifles, and you got a lot more penetration, a lot less recoil. This rifle has a solid side plates, which you can't distinguish from my poor photo work, but uh, it, if you were hundreds of miles from gunsmith on your horse, and they did a lot of money by horseback, uh, and your, your horse falls and breaks, you stop, you're in a trick. So it is said, and what I've read, is that uh, Saloon and a couple of other people and a few royals were lucky enough to get the guys to put these side plates on to protect the functionality of the guns in case they had a so, got some ammo being made for that to try to shoot it. Uh, uh, Don Heath uh, had that rifle. Uh, Salute so had it. He was coming out of ambush in what is now Zambia. Uh, it was became Northern Rhodesia because he was friends with Cecil John Rhodes, we'll go into that in minute. And uh, so he sold this gun. Uh, to a guy named Rudd, who is uh, a, a functionary for Sesame John Rhodes, who owned the Kimberly Diamond Fiddles, maybe the richest guy in Africa at the time. He was trying to do, pick up Mattapaley land. And uh, from while, while I'm doing, I have to pronounce it right, to John Flat, I guess he was a king. And later they had the Mattapaley Awards, and that's a whole separate thing. Uh, Going down to the lighter stuff, the penetration, we took hundred inches of wet catalogs of newspapers and shot this 256, which is 6.5, which is a 25 caliber rifle, and it had 70 inches of penetration. So that's when WD and Bell, Walter Bell came up using light stuff and, and knowing the anatomy on elephants and, and those things are kill to kill K Buffalo I got tied with Jack O'Connor by shooting a buffalo fourteen times once. <laughs> Where did you go that, in West Anyway, uh, we got. Um, Session John Rose gave a walking stick to Salud. Oh, yeah. we'll show that in a minute. But Salud was really got uh, Teddy Roosevelt fired up on on hunting in Africa. He came over to the White House. Y'all may have all read about that. And, and he got the whole thing going. Uh, 4590, Winchester made all kinds of rifles to Teddy Roosevelt's uh, specifications and dimensions. And they sent him to uh, Sagamore Hill, to his estate, and Kermit's son, and, and allegedly Teddy loved that. And he'd been carrying 4570s and 4590s. This one has written uh, red on the side. Africa, 1909. So it was designed for that famous safari that I think actually got uh, the safari business and concept going uh, for how many months, Dave? There were, there were it was a year of safari. Yeah, yeah, basically a year. Yeah. When they left Nairobi, it looked like a big parade. So they ended up in the Sudan, where it finished yeah. up. Took eight years for the Smithsonian to cresswell critters that that got. So we can shoot that one today. Uh, I'm going to take it back on the mountain lion hunt. I hope next month just go Teddy Love the West and I Love the West and, and, and try that out. Personal uh, uh, was uh, on the Hemingway, excuse me, on the you know, Teddy Rutherfield safari. Um, well, he was a young apprentice at the age of that. A very young man. And, and, um, R.J. Cunningham and some of, uh, some of the other guys. Leslie Carlton. And that they had quite a deal. He, he uh, ended up being, I think for 18 or 20 years, the president of the East African Professional Hunters Group. And he was the dean that got everybody from Perry Silly, to Sylvie to it, All the guys with Kerr Downey, uh, he basically trained them to be in the business. And he, he took Hemingway on his first trail. Hemingway got him by the in uh, 1934 and then came back in 1954, 54, as shown in this handout from Look Magazine. Uh, that's rifle. I've used it uh, a lot, displayed it a lot, has a lot of interest. Um, there are some indentations on the Midwest Stock, where uh, Hemingway edited at Neville Crombie pitch in New York he give it to one of these reporters here. She just slammed the guy against the wall, he dropped the rifle. And that's why you got to historic start the dance in it. I think, plus, he got to demo work. Uh, this is the, uh, this is the, the Corbett Folson rifle. He <laughs> celebrates it on the phone. You hear him, you know, get, get his handkerchief out. Right. He loves the rifle so much. Yeah, rifle. I'll
0: tell a little quick story on this one day. You know, but I would usually fairly quickly hear about it when Bill would acquire a new rifle and called me up one day and said, what are you doing? I said, hey, Bill, what's happening? He said, well, said, is there a chair handy? I said, yeah. Do I need one? He said, yeah, you in particular may need to be sitting down. <laughs> and I mean, and I knew that could mean one or two outcomes. A, it was a Corvette rifle. Was it a bolt or was it a double? And I said, Bill, what did you just, it's got to be a Corvette. He said, yep. And he said, which one would you rather have? I said, God. I said, both of them are miracles, but if it was up to me, I would take the bowl of the uh, double. And he said, well, brother, I bought it about 30 minutes ago. And uh, it literally was an out-of-body experience because I share Bill's love of history and hunting history and firearm history. And I hold Jim Corbett in the highest esteem possible. And, uh, and... You know, when I got that when I got that phone call, I just knew one of these days I'm gonna get my hands on So I actually got to handle it in Dallas. I just wrote a uh, a big article about double rifles for the annual uh, Gun Digest, which their executive editor back there, Phil Massaro, was kind enough to ask me to, to write that article. But, but I told that story about how Bill you know, called me with the gun and stuff, and one day I was in the hole, and I said, it literally was an out-of-body experience. I mean, it really was. I mean, there's nothing that is the most precious piece of whatever you want to call it, history, that I think uh, I could ever have made. If you're a jeweler, probably, if you found Hope Diamond, well, that's how I feel about that rifle, but... um, and I'm going to get to shoot it today. I said, I know, where all well. y'all are going to shoot it. Make sure you bring two extra bullets. But I want to shoot it twice. <laughs> so, so anyhow, uh, you'll hear you'll hear a lot about the old Corbett rifle. But Bill literally went back to India and followed Corbett's trails to some of his key man eaters. And this uh, rifle, if you're a Corbett guy, this uh, you know rifle killed a Chapelwood man eater. Uh, It's actually the first man-eater the Corbett ever uh, killed that had 436 confirmed human kills. But in all likelihood, the number was probably considerably bigger. It was driven out of Nepal and Kamon region uh, across the Sarga River, and and then they got to deal with it for the next four or five years. But uh, you are gonna have the ability to look down the barrels the same, and pull the trigger on a rifle that Corbett to across about 15 feet of Indian hillside and killed this the number one cat, the number one killer in the world, uh, the Chuka man eater, uh, the Kanda man eater, uh, the Chowgar man eater, uh, and the man
4: eater of that were all killed with this rifle, so wife belonged to Elmer Keith, one of my many heroes. And uh, Elmer I always wanted to meet Corbett, never had a chance. Um, uh, Corbett sold a rifle to a guy in Victoria, and uh, Elmer sent some money, and another case, double rifle up as a trade. He said, that's the most heavily used, the best-carried for a rifle he ever had. And it has no finish left except under the forearm. You take it off, you can see some pulling there. But, uh, Forward we these mountains where we were driving on the road to go to all these different sites and all the stuff he did. And at one time, there's so many man-eaters up there, they had approximately like 50,000 people pinned down in their villages. They were frightened to even get outside and have their, their animals in these huts with them, you know, everything's really bad. But uh, some of the stuff he did is, is remarkable. So Elmer shot this out of a, of a window of, vehicle about 60 yards, and he got a, a grouping, and he just loved the rifle, so uh, if you want to shoot it today, you're looking 450, 400, wider uh, rifle, 400 grains, and after i stayed over there with the Tigers in India, if it does start with five, I don't want to shoot it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was a cat, they claim to get 750 pounds, I shot a lot of lions. I think the were more like 400 instead of 500 main thing to look better. It's going to go out of it still. Uh, anyway, that, uh, that's maybe Elmer Key's most cherished. You know, I've got five of his doubles, and that's a lot of stories. He's not worried about him. He's not worried about him. I always keep talking to him. and yet you your at the latter times. Uh, and, and it says in here up to 1700 but uh, he has the world's record as we know it for the number of tigers he shot. And he had between 9 and 12 safari tents made out of tiger skin. The guy was the real deal. <laughs> you know, when you shoot the, shoot the, shoot the damn rifle and he got out of, out of that rifle, he carried that one to uh, Africa and uh, did some hunting. He did three trips with John Hunter. I've been reading John Hunter since uh, I was a kid. And then uh, I have got, got Hunter's rifle now, finally, a 500 Boswell. Uh, so he will be going back to hunt whatever i find to hunt with it. Uh, speaking of that, there it is. Hunter was born in Scotland. You all probably know the history about him. Got to Africa, did a bunch of control work. Allegedly shot uh, 1,100 rhinos, clearing out areas for future uh, agricultural development for the natives. Uh, all the way from Britain, so uh, I got this rifle, pursued it for 30 years, finally got the dead end thing. So I went up to see Robin Hurd, who uh, known and hunted with him, and. Son Derek, I don't know Roger or his other son well, and showed him the rifle. And he told me a story. He said, "I can't believe you got this rifle." I said, "Oh, I can't either." You <laughs> know. So uh, he said, "When well, I was nine years old, I went on my first guinea fowl hunt with my twenty-two. Called him his 2 and he uh, said so he goes out and sees his guinea and hunters there lining him up, and he shoots and kills it." You know. And, so Hunter's congratulating eight-year-old, nine-year-old, he said, uh, but I was aiming for his head, and I hit him a chest. He said, you always can't tell everything you know. You know? Yeah. So he said, going back to the truck, Hunter took down the same five-hundred, you know, took the rounds out showed Robin the rifle. And, and, and Robin said, this is the same rifle I can remember from nine-year-old. And Robin's like, anytime I was in, he way past time nine-year-old. But uh, that That is, uh, is something I'm looking forward to uh, hunting with. But Robin said, as he and his brother sit for the back of the truck, parents in the front with, with Hunter. Two rhinos come out and they're chasing him down the road. And he says, Hunter's old truck would slow down, and the rhinos almost get back with him, and he'd speed up. So anyway, it's a long story. If you ever see Robin Herbert he tell you the story. But Hunter was really, it, it, the real deal. Uh, Flag chair, Jackson. 24 or 500 Jeffreys made uh, by Jeffrey and uh, two more later were made uh, by Gibbs in Bristol, England. Uh, so the debate is at 24 26. This is the only custom one. Dave shot it. Tim shot it. Tim doesn't like it. It <laughs> came to that bites him. Uh, it has his name on the barrel uh, especially made for initial C, which is Crawford, Fletcher, Jameson. He uh, shot, uh, I shot, I think, 300 elephants, I think a bunch of them, with this rifle. Uh, he had a Holland uh, that he used for a number of years, a double rifle, but he had an injured uh, left hand from childhood when he fell out a tree onto a farm plow or implement, uh, wired it together. So when you shoot a double rifle and you got to reload it, it's hard to do with bad hands, so he ordered the bolt gun besides the power. And the power uh, on this thing is such that until Roy Weatherby came out with a 460, the strongest bolt gun in existence at that time, and with a Mauser, he could hold it with his bad hand and, and shoot. It. So, he carried the gun to um, back to Africa, went to uh, Cape Town. And, and, and looked up to the help of any he loacher gunsmith down there, uh, Fletcher Jamison Jr. And he got my picture of him, he and his dad's rifle. Uh, Fletcher, uh, you know, if you remember, I uh, uh, got electrocuted September 17, 1947. Came home, put his ivory up, put his rifle up. There was a well in the backyard, and he goes down in the well to inspect it. He uh, borrowed an extension cord from the neighbor next door, and it was defective, and he was electrocuted in the So, he hunted primarily
0: up in the Lower San Gixi Valley. If you read any of John Pandoro Taylor's book, who was another elephant hunter, he would say that that was the greatest elephant hunter that he ever did. And if, if Fletcher hadn't got killed, you know, early, I mean, he would his. He was a guy that was very reclusive, didn't seek fame, didn't seek notoriety, uh, but but his exploits in the valley uh,
4: pretty well eclipsed, you know. He only had to carry a box camera around. Yeah, uh, yeah, one guy carried the camera, and uh, one of the, the many stories that he told his brother Norman and told his son cheater, uh, they seek this elephant, they all up. He's got, he's got his guy going to push the ball, and the elephant's really not dead. <laughs> he's standing up, raining people, and he always regretted, you know, if there had been a millisecond later that would think everybody could free fall and the elephant coming up, so. However, <laughs> Keith. Okay. Um, we got about nine minutes to get through the rest of the uh, We'll just have to extend some time. A little more. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get <both> get <laughs> right I shot this rifle uh, killed kill some buffalo with it. Elmer's got a four seven six a lot, like, he's got his name on the bottom, gold buffalo head. And he carried this one and uh, John Matera, one of my gun rider ladies, on um, I want to carry all this boss well here you go. So I'm, I'm shooting this out this buffalo brother really, and uh this guy won't fall down. So, about eight rounds, I'm not holding it, and I'm palming the forearm, and this thing, man, it is hot as a firecracker. So, <laughs> he said, Let's swap rifle. I said, Don't grab the barrel. You <laughs> know, popped it the buffalo, knocked him down, walked up, shot him behind the ear, you know. So, Matera said, Josh, you've just done something the only person in the world's ever done. I said, What the hell is that? He said, sheep, one buffalo, and two of them are Chief's rifles. <laughs> <laughs> what you have to wear. Anyway, uh, there's 476. Um, Simon so the Clough told me with Wesley Richards they made 39 of them. I've got two of them. And I never thought I did Elmer's, but I uh, haven't filed his rifles, counting the and Corbett rifles. <laughs> you can call them a so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next what we got. 476 oh uh, 520 grams. Uh, it's effective. it depends on which means bottle what you try it out on. Uh, John Kingsley Heath, uh, I think is underappreciated, appreciated, and this guy was a real difficult he was such a pain in the butt, some people call him prickly heat instead of Kingsley heat. <laughs> and he did write book, and he did do everything, and he helped down, He opened Botswana and parts of Tanzania. He was a pilot, put 5,000 hours in the aircraft, and he had this custom rifle made, uh, and if you read his book, Dave's Got a Copy, I've Got a Copy, uh, of his different ones. He put an uh, extension magazine, a six-round magazine on, After he got chewed by a Mm -hmm. lion. He he (laughs) he got charged. So he sacrificed one arm for it while he beat the lion in the nose, and the lion got the other arm. So later on, here he's in the hospital, both calf. Somebody came along and shot the lion off, I mean, but he's a hard charger. So uh, lucky to pick that rifle up. Al Mason built this rifle custom one for a 1972 Safari for. Was Jack O'Connor. Uh, I love all the stories about how O'Connor and Keith had various key points. Uh, some people say they hated each other with great vigor, but I mean, I don't know. Anyway, son Brad, was, I think knows, uh, said that uh, that's the only heavy caliber rifle that O'Connor ever had. 458s, everybody knows, came along when so much of the ammunition uh, was giving out as Kynock and others uh, ceased making ammo for the doubles. And then Steve Hornady started making ammo for 470s and 454 hundreds, and and first thing you know, everybody in the United States wants a double rifle, you know, and between uh, Kyn and Monkle and all kinds of other people are making different
0: we actually, as far as classes, we did a video on, on Jack O'Connor, and uh, we are really proud of it. You know, Obviously, an interesting old guy, but we got to know Bradford and a couple of his historians, you know, one Bob Anderson who lives a local here. He's a DSC guy, and he said you know, he was asking him about you know, that, which was in his library for, or his uh, museum for a long time. He said, well, it fits good, it it handles good, it swings up good, but the son of a bitch just kicks harder than I want to shoot, you know? So, you know, he he was a a fan of it. It was a long way from his 270s that he loves so much.
4: Tony Sanchez, the oldest professional elephant hunter still with us today. And it took me three years to get this rifle out of Spain. I was telling a couple of guys earlier, had a, uh, a couple of, men uh, man and wife, who both uh, have dealer's license in the UK, and they were vacationing near there after all the attempts to get this rifle out. So, they got the rifle, Tony uh, gave me you know, 200 rounds of ammo, it's a 5'0 Jeffrey, improved in- and herald of a German master, consent, allegedly, changed the angle. He said, well, you can shoot regular 500 at So, anyway, uh, so we'll just use the standard stuff today. Ballistics are the same, 535 grains. And uh, that thing, because of the stock configuration, and Tim thinks Flatter rifle kicks, we don't watch it, it doesn't it? Like the ring of chime. But uh, Tony wrote a lot of books, always a gentleman. Uh, the picture that we have here is. Uh, is his first and last elephant. So that's when he was 83 years old. So he wrote this note to me, and, and uh, I just copied it. And I could have got my name on it, but just that how long he hunted for 62 years on safari. So serious deal with me, at least being a gunman. Gun my well, good friend now receives David Omni, uh, Winchester's a Winchester in Africa cover of all these magazines, and this and that. One of the most fascinating, interesting guys I ever met. So I was trying to buy Hunter's Africa Safari Company. i was going to get him to run it for me, by swine in, in And that's a long story, but you know it's probably a blessing. It didn't work out for various reasons. But uh, that rifle uh, is a uh, Rigby 470 made in 1912. When he got the rifle, he thought it was great, he bought it and his wife on the never never I mean, means like you pay along for six months till you can pay it off, you know. And the former owner, and it must have been a 28-inch barrel, had been shooting buffalo, somebody shot over his head, hit the barrels. Mm-hmm. They went in, saw the off hit the damn blacksmith shopper, tried to put it back together. So David takes it out, doesn't test fire, doesn't on targets, takes the cloud out, and it's like a 110 pound elephant out there by the side of the barn. So, this doctor client shoots it with a 600. And so, David's going to assist. And later, he fired it and was eight inches high to the left with the left barrel and eight inches low on the right barrel. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, problematic. 700 nitro. We got a pair of we brought out here. Uh, Chris Solja, uh was from Malaysia, his family, extremely uh, wealthy. Uh, he's telling his family he's in London going to Cambridge and Oxford. It's a good thing about uh, Oxford, they have seven separate universities. And meanwhile, what he's really doing is trading the guns out of the And he's so good at it, Simon Crowe, my friend passed away a couple years ago, uh, hired him to run a production at Westwood Richards right? eight and meanwhile, he and his other gunsmith friend was trying to come up with a name, you know, that sounded more English than Crystal or something. And so they were making these guns, and I think they're, they're doing quite well. And uh, I tried buying a Holland uh, 700. Their display gun, they'd never sell it. Of course, they just sold to Beretta, so who knows what's gonna happen with that. And Russell will helped uh, Bill Velsen, who I know, who's a story on himself, uh, in the development of the 700. So, back in Bonington and I were hanging out. We're designing the 725. We're trying to outdo them. <laughs> and so some guy from Spain said this thing and to and I've just built a 725. Instead of 1,000 grains, which these are 1,000 grains, it's uh, 1,400 grains. I'm thinking about, you know, I carry have a safety machine gun around when I had to the Marines. And with the weight of that, 26 pounds, I mean, that's like carrying a at 50 almost. You know. uh, anyway, Holland Holland, be kind. I charge you $125 a shot. It's worth the experience, believe me. Uh, <laughs> eight more. I did this one on film. I put my mouth guard in when I shot it. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that. Watching me try to spin my mouth, guard out. Big explosion. We're at the sheriff's range. The sheriff wouldn't come out and watch us. As much trouble as my two brothers and I were in. You know, and he always kept three cells open for Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> Some kind of driving problems we had. you know. uh, Anyway, the eight war got to be pretty popular when people realized that they could. Could, could do a lot better with it than a 4 board, So Frederick Courtney Slick, uh very good friends with Cecil John Rhodes, maybe the richest guy at that time in Africa. He started BSA British South Africa Company, and they wanted to go from South Africa up to Matabeli Land, which is now Zimbabwe, unfortunately. It was southern Rhodesia, then uh, Zambia to the north was northern Rhodesia. Uh, they were in the two Natabili really Wars against uh, Willy and And uh, so I got this. Uh, luckily, I got a shoot, guy got Rhodes pistol at Suburban Arms in Cape Town at their range. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rhodes died, maybe the, the richest guy in the cemetery, but uh, he was very close to Salud and drove the uh, Pioneer Road 400 miles up to Woodhead's Mountain, Broadway, I if you go to British Museum of Natural History, there's a bust of him on the wall, I'm talking about being an explorer, uh, you know, hunter, soldier, and, and that guy was a real deal. So I'm very fortunate to have two of his rifles, and uh, I couldn't resist uh, when this came up for auction in England, buying this. I thought it all sort of fit together in my historic driven mind, but. Um, other than that, what you got for today? Well, a hey, first of all, a-
0: we've we got quite a day planned, and you know, like I said, there a lot of moving parts to this event, you know, the DSC staff, you know, so many behind-the-scenes people worked on this, um, again, y'all are the key to this event, and, and- can't express the excitement that I mean. This is something. You know, Corey said, this, "This is kind of like opening day of beer season or something." And I mean, I've really been looking forward to this. I have too. I think we all have. And uh, we're we're very grateful for your participation and your support of the event. So I want to recognize Chris Self for those of you that don't know Chris. Chris is the president of I USA, and uh, he is graciously. Donated his private shooting uh, range, so we're not going to be a public shooting range today with everybody capping off all sides. I mean, this is a ranch, and I mean, we went out there yesterday and set it up. And my partner Tim, some of the staff at BSE is out there putting the finishing touches on it. All are about to board a party bus, and we'll go down there. There's going to be a lunch waiting for us when we get down there. And then we're going to have a, a, a great day. And there's all kinds of surprises, There's there's memorabilia. We have books built and built you know, you know, walk you through these things. Uh, Our team, Safari Classics, we're going to be down here, we're going to be videoing this event, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be shooting a lot of still pictures and we're just going to try to be capturing this first of its kind unique event as best we can. And we'll probably be circulating through, you know, the different people, you know, and saying, hey, you know, just give us a statement because if we have this event again, these will, you know, you guys team based on the strength of somebody, Bill calling or B calling or Corey calling or Chris calling and saying, listen, you don't want to miss this. This is something that was made, if you want to be a part of this event. But next time, if we get to do it again, you know, we'll have, hey, some, maybe your computer and we'll send you something and then they're going to see what we do today. So it's going to be a hell of a day. And uh, like I said, it's just going to be fun. This isn't a shooting competition, by the way. This is a fun, opportunity. with it, you hit or miss it, I mean this is not a shooting competition so this is just a, a truly once in a life opportunity to, to have a hell of a lot of fun, to be with somebody that has, you know, spent a lifetime collecting these once and uh, one of their kind of collection. So I, I have really been, I've been counting the hours to this. There's a lot of work has went into it and uh, I think at the end of the day I I hope is that we all agree that this was one of the coolest days in our shooting and hunting career and, and again the, the key of it is not only are you are you supported DSC and you get to shoot the guns but you know what you are giving DSC um, this is going to kickstart our advocacy effort you know which Corey will talk about a little bit more this evening uh, after dinner. But um, you know the, the battle for what we do and for what we love is is going to shift from the court of public opinion to the court system itself, and that's where the battles are going to be won or lost. And DSC is dedicated to being—we're you know, not going to be part of the fight; we're going to be leading the fight. And and this is the seed money to get this incredibly important uh, part of our DSC machine engaged and in, in gear. So we are. Incredibly grateful uh, for your support of what we're going to be doing. So, with that, I'm going to go down and get my car and get out of here. before you got a couple more. Just, just one announcement. Uh, so, yeah, you can uh,
2: go to your room, drop whatever gear you want, pick up your hats, whatever you have, and we'll just meet downstairs just as quickly as you can. You know, if it takes five minutes, that's great. Uh, again, the bus is going to be right outside the bobs and owner's box entrance right there. Uh, we will have ear pro out there as well as shoulder pads, uh, you know, kind of strap-on-tie pads down there for everybody. If you have your own thing, that's great, but just know that we'll have that out at the range as well. So we'll see everybody down at the bus in just a few minutes. Thank you
3: hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with mr bill jones as he talked about some of the guns that he's collected over the years and and these few very fortunate individuals were able to shoot out at out at the range and oh my gosh i'll tell you what it's such a thrill to to even be able to hold these guns in in the past most of these guns would have been found only in museums and yet mr jones very graciously allowed people to handle them and to shoot them so uh What a great way to kick off an advocacy program for DSC and the DSC Foundation. And Mr. Jones, thank you so very much. Thank you to all the attendees that were there and the people who helped put this event on. As I mentioned, there's a good chance this thing may occur again in June prior to our DSCF foundation if you will dsc foundation gala that we put on kind of a fundraiser which will be held this year on june the 4th in uh, 2020 there in in dallas we'll probably the day before have something very similar to what uh, we did this this first go around with the DSC Historical Rifle Society, but uh, you can learn more about that, and of course, I suspect maybe Mr. Jones may be at the DSC convention as well, too, and you can kind of get an idea there as to some of the guns that he has and you know if you have not already made plans to be at the DSC convention uh the first full weekend there in January uh please do so it is going to be the 40th anniversary and what a huge event is planned for all that and to learn more and how to get tickets and how to find out where the rooms are available in that area because you definitely want to be there more than one day there's no way you can see those Almost twelve hundred or sixteen hundred, whatever it is, booth in one day, and and also visit with everybody. So there are places on the DSC Foundation and also the particularly the DSC website where you can catch links with the, where the hotels are where you can stay. So to do that, please go to b i g g a m e dot o r g and. We look forward to seeing you there at the convention this year. It's going to be absolutely fabulous, as I mentioned. In the meantime, uh, we'll come back here next week and maybe tell a hunting story or two. And You know, whitetail deer seasons are open across the country, and i got a feeling there are going to be some discussions about whitetail deer hunting because it's that time of the year, folks. Have a safe time out there, and join us right back here again next week at DSC's Campfires with Larry Weisson. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfire. DSC
2: Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord, rescue travel protection.